Hello and welcome to what might be the final episode of Cryptids Decrypted. I am your host, Ashton McCauley, somewhat of an expert in the mating habits of psychic crabs, and beside me virtually is my co-host John Ceccarelli, the man who believes the Megalodon still exists and will fight anybody that says otherwise. You know, it's funny you mentioned that. Um, my boss reached out to me to talk about the sub-fiasco that's going on around the Titanic, and he asked me, when do you think they're going to find the sub? And I told him, Meg ate it. Dude, <laughs> they they may never find it. The ocean is so vast. That's why the Meg is still out there. And he was like, are you really on about this again, John? We just talked about this last week. Yeah, that's that's John. He's always, always on about the Meg. He's been fired from three jobs for it. You know, he used to be, just, he used to work for the Navy. For the, I just can't wait for the Jason Statham movie. It's yeah. going to be great. Well, I'm sad there will be no Rain Wilson in it this time. Yeah, um, it's funny because I never read the Meg, but I did read the trench. I didn't realize it was a three book series. I just checked it out from my high school library because it had a picture of a shark on it. And I thought the trench was the only book. I didn't realize it was a series until I saw the Meg and somebody told me that it was the, the first book in the series. I I respect that. Yeah, that'll be, oh man, that'll be a fun one. Jason Statham always delivers something. You yeah, know? I'm, you know, a little emotional because we are bidding adieu to a show that, I don't know, I feel like predates both of my kids. I think that's accurate It, de- to say. it definitely does predate both your kids. Predates my marriage. Uh, we've been we've been doing this since 2019. Okay, we kicked Desmond. it off by interviewing uh, David George Gordon was the very first episode, followed by Peter Byrne. And then, and then, yeah, you, you, me and Tyler kicked things off too. It was, it was wild times, man. Wild times. And, and we're, we're, we're saying goodbye in the grand tradition of Cryptid Royale, which we've done every season for five seasons. We may do years. a Cryptid Kumite just to cap it all off and re-rank every single Cryptid. But what better way to do this than a Cryptid Royale? Yeah. And what, what better way to do it? Than with a fan suggestion royale. So we didn't pick any of these. So this time, uh, John and I each have two cryptids. They've all been suggested by our fans. We'll each have five to ten minutes to give a brief overview of the cryptid. And then at the end, we're going to give each of them a score on three four-point factors. Now, there's a slight difference between this and our normal rankings. In Cryptid Royale, we rate the creatures on cool factor, believability, but fun factor is out the fucking window. We're not talking about it because instead we're going to talk about which cryptid would win in a fight. And uh, yeah, so finally, we're also going to discuss if any of these cryptids have spinoff potential for their own full length episode. Despite the fact that this might be the end of the podcast, it's still worth talking about because there's some of these that have some some good meat on them bones, as they say in the business. Yeah, I would say like three of these would be a very well contested battle. One of them would would be the first out the way. <laughs> yeah, I have a feeling I know which one it is. It's funny because I thought one of mine was going to be shit, but I am actually surprised by how much there was. So before we get into any of them, have you heard of any of these myths before we started researching them last week? Hell no. Yeah, I had heard of Bunny Man because my friend Connor would talk about it. Uh, and then the goat man came up a few times in my research for other myths about hyperlocal cryptids. I can tell you what, I'd never heard of the fucking squonk in my life and definitely never heard of the beast of LBL either. Um, but yeah, so I, I figured just to, just to get us going, I would start with what I feel is one of my favorite cryptid royals I've done so far. I'm, I'm going to kick us off with the bunny man and then we'll kick it over to you, John, for whichever cryptid you deem should go first out of your two. 
and I'll let you anchor us home. Okay. Okay, so this is a myth straight out of a horror film and hailing from Fairfax County, Virginia. It begins in 1970 when there are two reports of a man in a rabbit costume brandishing an axe and threatening people. On October 19th, 1970, Robert Bennett and his fiancée were going to visit relatives after a football game. They parked their car alongside what they were sure was their relative's house on Guinea Road. Shortly after parking, they noticed movement in the back window of the car. A few seconds later, the front passenger window was smashed and a white-clad figure was standing outside and shouting. He allegedly yelled, you're on private property and I have your tag number. Uh, you know, it sounds honestly like 2020, 2023. You know, it happens now. Uh, being a smart person, Robert, the uh, the driver, gunned the car and got the hell out of there rather than pulling out a pistol and trying to shoot it three times. Just want to say, you know, that's it's good thinking. It was only a few minutes later that the couple discovered there was a hatchet on the floor of the car. Upon recalling the story to police, Robert insisted the man was wearing bunny ears while his fiance insisted that the man was wearing a, I don't know how to say this, a, a caparote or a caparote which is a tall, white, pointed hat used by many religions, but you would probably know it as what the hoods that the KKK wear are, which, uh, you know, it's in Virginia. It's possible in the 1970s. On October 29th, 10 days later, a security guard approached a man standing on the porch of an unfinished home, also off Guinea Road. He said the man was wearing a gray, black, and white bunny suit, and according to Wikipedia, identified the man as being 20 years old. Not sure how you do that when somebody's wearing a bunny suit, but like good on this guy. He probably held his thumb up and he was like, yep, about 20, Uh, (laughs) which is just how these things work. Uh, The bunny man said, you are trespassing. If you come any closer, I'll chop off your head. So the smith, we know two things. He dresses like a rabbit and two, he feels very strongly about property laws. In the weeks following these incidents, there was over 50 reports of seeing the bunny man. Uh, and those are like the two main, very documented sightings of the bunny man. I could get into more, but this is cryptid royale, so I got to keep it brief. Uh, things get weird when you start to go into why this is a myth, because mostly it comes from a very strange origin story. Yeah, this is a dude on LSD, clearly, <laughs> but please continue. I mean, yeah, maybe. Or 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 a member of the clan who doesn't want people trespassing on his property. Could, could be a couple of things. Uh, So this begins on a website called Castle of Spirits in 1999. The legend spread that a train full of prisoners derailed right above an overpass on Colchester Road back in the early 1900s, where uh, both of those first two sightings happened. So they happened on Guinea Road, which is right near Colchester. According to the legend, all of the inmates on the train that derailed died except for one. In the weeks following the manhunt, rabbit corpses began turning up in the woods around the accident site. People say that an inmate was living off the creatures. One Halloween night, a bunch of kids were at this overpass messing around when they saw a bright white light coming at them in the distance. Within seconds, they were all strung up from the overpass and gutted like rabbits. Now, how we know the kids saw a white light if they were killed and gutted like rabbits, I do not know. But the detail was there, so I have to report it. I was going to ask about that. Yeah, yeah thank you know, you. who knows? Since that initial legend from the internet, the Colchester Overpass has become a site for legend tripping, which is a phenomenon we've mentioned a few times on this podcast, I think oddly enough during Cryptid Royale, which is basically going to sites of well-known murders, paranormal activity, or otherwise supernatural danger. It's gotten so bad in recent years that authorities have had to create checkpoints to block off the nearby roads to stop people from visiting the Colchester Overpass on Halloween. There is a lot more to that myth, but I'm going to leave it there. First impressions of the bunny man, John? Yeah, it it, it feels like it's a dude on LSD. Um, <laughs> it when you say bunny man, my brain goes Donnie Darko. 
Like that's just the only thing I think of is the creepy. Yeah, Frank I guess the question is how guy? creepy was this bunny suit? It is well before Donnie Darko. Maybe Donnie Darko was potentially partly inspired by Bunny Man. Potentially, must yeah. have been. But uh, I yeah, I think it's interesting. It also has a little bit of Bandage Man flavor to it, with the breaking into cars on Lovers Lane, things like that. Which my second myth is similar to that as well. But I appreciate that the dude is just protecting his property. I mean, it sounds like Eric Cartman on LST. Respect my authority. It could have just been like he looked pale in a flashlight and people thought he was a bunny, but really he just wanted people off his property. Absolutely. You never know. So, uh, John, you're, you're up next. What's the second myth that we're looking at tonight? So the second myth, and this was one that was very disappointing, and I feel like there should have been more on it, but I shit you not, I, I could not find more on it. I looked. The Squonk of Pennsylvania is what it's called. Not Squanch, which if you're a Rick and Morty fan, you would know of the Squanch. Sorry, I'm drinking a beer and I'm burping. Um, like Squanch games and all of those types of things. But the Squonk of Pennsylvania uh, has been around since the 1800s. It is in northern Pennsylvania in the Hemlock Forests. Um, it was first brought up in the 1910 literary, uh, literary masterpiece, Fearsome Creatures of the Lumberwoods, and was also included in the 1939 novel, Fearsome Cre- Critters. Fearsome Critters. It's enunciation for you. Um, we also had a couple other uh, creatures from that book. I believe the Hodeg was one, and you called out another one over text messages that I, I can't remember which it is. But ultimately, this is a cryptid that is alleged to have migrated from deserts to swamps to Pennsylvania, um, largely following the lumber industry, which in the 1800s was booming in Pennsylvania, especially northern Pennsylvania. There haven't been a ton of sightings of this because this is a really 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 ugly creature it's a self-aware creature that knows how ugly it is um it has misfitting skin it's covered in warts and moles and as a result of apparently knowing this which this is the crazy thing only really humans know if they're ugly or not like dogs don't know if they're ugly they wouldn't be able to look in a mirror and know hey that's me that's one of the traits of being an intelligent self-aware creature uh, but as a result of knowing it's super ugly it's always unhappy it's always crying so hunters of this cryptid follow these tear-stained trails and listen for the wailing on cold nights where the moon is really bright this is an animal slash creature that avoids bodies of water because it doesn't want to look at the reflection Um, it's slowest on those moonlit nights because it's trying to avoid those bodies of water. Um, and one other detail that was fun, uh, it has webbed toes on just its left feet. Oh, that's oddly specific. Oddly specific. Yes. What's happening with its left foot? Like, what is it doing with that, that it needs to be webbed? I think it's, I don't think it's doing anything. I think it's a, just a genetic misprint. It goes into the fact that it's ugly. Um, one dude who was hunting the creature coaxed it into a bag, but one of the things I forgot is if they're cornered, they dissolve into a puddle of their own tears. Mm. So you can't capture these things because it'll just melt. And one dude did coax a creature into a bag and noticed it became lighter at one point while he was transporting it back home. And when he got home, he realized there was just liquid left in the bag. Imagine like a super ugly pig 
with a really bad fitting skin and multiple skin conditions, that's basically what you're getting. And, and he also turns into the senator from X-Men. Like yes. the, the guy that they that they give the, the mutant juice to, but he can't handle the mutant juice. And then he just turns into a weird water man and dissolves on the beach and scars some kids. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's what this sounds like. That's what I'm picturing when you say this this weird pig thing is melting in a bag. Might be the first portable cryptid we've encountered. Yeah. Problem is, when it melts, it doesn't, like, re reform, recoagulate, whatever you want to call it. Um, Genesis, the band, has a song from the 1970s called Squonk, and I went and listened to it. It's actually kind of a banger. All right. Steely Dan references a Squonk's Tears, saying, have you ever seen a Squonk's Tears? Now you've seen mine. Uh, in the song, Any Major Dude Will Tell You. <laughs> and then I do want to call out that the city of Johnstown celebrates the Squonk and Squonkapalooza in August, where they have events, they have um, people come on stage and do a show, and like the information about the Squonk on their website is like a very small paragraph. And I was like, really? That's it? You have a, a whole festival dedicated to the squonk and you got nothing man squonkapalooza sounds like uh some kind of nasty i don't i, I mean, don't know i don't August. know what's happening at squonkapalooza but i don't, I don't know if i want to go there sounds it's a an, little little too August, kinky for me in august in northern pennsylvania so it sounds very hot it sounds sweaty how are you gonna find yeah. the squonk in all that sweat well maybe you look like a squonk when you're done i don't you, know you gotta you gotta sift out the sweat from the squonk tears Mm. And then just put the squonk in a jar and wait. I think I'm going to put this into my lexicon. Like I'm sweating like a squonk today and just see. Well, no, it. you're crying like a squonk. You're having a really tough day at work. You're just like, I mean, I just feel like a squonk today. I can't Squon- get squonked right. it up, man. I squonked it up real good. I got, squonk I got squonk up, pits baby. right now. They're crying. Uh, I don't know why, but I like the squonk is a really satisfying word to say. I'm just going to squonk, squonk. Squonk. Anyway, the squonk was very disappointing and would not win in a fight against any of these cryptids. The only thing that could potentially happen is if the squonk were cornered, it could turn itself into a puddle. And if the last two cryptids standing gave each other grievous injuries that the, the quote winner, unquote, eventually succumbed to like a knife fight in the streets, the loser dies in the streets, the winner dies in the hospital. Like that kind of thing. That's the only way a squonk could win a cryptid royale. <laughs> there's no, there's no, uh, there's no good, uh, there's no good squonk here. All right, that's good. That's good to know. It's good to know. Uh, thanks, Jane, for suggesting the squonk. Although uh, I, don't, I don't know if we can thank you for the the quality of the squonking. It is a good word. I'm excited to use it more. Squonk. Squonk. Let's uh, squonk, let, squonk. let's squonk right along. Uh, see, it's you can substitute it for whatever you want. Uh, squawking right along, and we're going to talk about the my final myth of the season. Maybe my final myth of the series? Oh, my God. And and it's this one. Uh, I'm going to give a brief overview of the Maryland Goat Man. This is a goat-human hybrid. Go fucking figure. Uh, and hails from Prince George's County, Maryland. Like my last myth, this legend begins in the early 1970s. In May of 1971, Karen Hostler took a deep dive into the folkloric archives of the University of Maryland and examined several prominent legends. Among these legends was the Goatman. 
The history of this myth has the Goatman being responsible for the deaths of a bunch of dogs throughout the 1950s, specifically decapitating them. So, a uh, real cool guy, this Goatman, likes to decapitate dogs. Uh, two Why dogs? That makes me sad. I, you know, Goatman have a thing, I guess, against dogs. I'm petting my dog beneath the desk right now, and he's very upset about this content. Sorry, I didn't give you a trigger warning, Louie. Uh, so, two weeks after... Karen Hostler wrote this article. She writes another article in which she connects the myth to a more recent dog decapitation. In this case, a 16-year-old girl, April, heard strange noises in the yard, and then the dog disappeared, and they later found it without its head. And she then connected her article on folklore, saying that maybe the goat man was still about decapitating dogs. I'm just going to go ahead and say this. Karen Hostler, mad suspicious. Mad suspicious to write uh, a story about something that decapitates dogs and then suddenly you're writing another story about a recent dog decapitation. It sounds like she's covering for something. And, uh, you know, so I'm just putting it out there. And you might be asking yourself, where would such a dog decapitating creature come from? The answer is something that's straight out of Ashton's Conspiracy Corner. According to a reputable article I found in the year 1970, words squonked that one up. Researchers were doing experiments on goats when something went awry. Much like the movie The Fly starring Jeff Goldblum, a scientist was accidentally fused with a goat and created a man-goat hybrid. Something about this process made him very aggressive, hence the dead dogs. Other variations say the goat man is a spirit from native folklore similar to the Bigfoot origin of being a protector of the forest. Yet another origin I saw said the goat man was simply a man who kept goats and went mad after teenagers killed his flock. And after this incident, he donned the guise of his beloved goats and started killing teenagers with a hatchet. Uh, and while I'm not finding much about specific sightings, I am seeing that there was a mysterious house out behind a middle school that was abandoned in the 70s. Many kids claimed to see the monster near that house and would often dare each other to go out near it, which sounds like the beginning of a good Stephen King novel. Uh, purportedly, people found bones and other such creepy shit at the house but it has since been demolished and built over, so the likely the spirit of the goat man just haunts whatever the fuck this new building is. It's probably like a like a gold's gym that's now haunted by the spirit of the axe wielding <laughs> goat man. Uh, we'll need to you know wait a few years before those stories start to show up. But there's also this area called Crybaby Bridge, where the goat man is frequently seen. He specifically targets couples who go under his bridge. If you uh, park your car under it, you will allegedly hear a crying baby or the braying of a goat, and it's not long until the goat man arrives to get you. Now, the crying baby is something else entirely. It apparently has nothing to do with the goat. Uh, you just hear a crying baby because maybe a baby died near that bridge. I don't know. So there's two things happening under this bridge. There's dead babies and also half goat, half men that want to ask you questions. Fuck. Uh, <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> that one in there. Uh, there's also a string of grisly murders in 1964 where 14 hackers were hiked. Wow, well, 14 hackers. 14 hikes. Did they did they get in the mainframe before they were hacked? Up? I mean, it wasn't that hard. Like you could physically go into the mainframe in 1964. Uh, it was that fucking big. Uh, I've, I've seen Jurassic Park. 1964. 14 hikers were hacked to pieces out in the woods. Uh, people specifically blame the half-goat, half-scientist for these murders. I couldn't find much other than, yeah, there's some hikers that got hacked up in the woods. That's a lot. Like, 14 people in one year is a lot yeah. of people. 
Uh, but a lot of fucked up shit happens in our national parks. Like that's one thing we never covered on this podcast that has always terrified me. So many disappearances in national parks that just go unexplained. Apparently it's Goatman. Uh, but again, keeping things short, that's pretty much what I've got on the Goatman. It feels like a really solid start, but also it looked like a shallow pool from where I was standing. Have you seen Deliverance? Oh, I've seen Deliverance, yeah. That's pretty much what I think happens in national parks. Yeah, I, you know, that's, that's fair. That's also terrifying. And God, I hope not. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just, just spitting truth here. Spitting fat truth. John, you want to take us home? Country roads? To the place? Man, almost have it. long? West Virginia. Um, Actually, we are not going to West Virginia. What? Squawked we are going to be in the South. We are going to be in Kentucky. What we are going to talk about now is the Beast of LBL. LBL stands for the Land Between Lakes. What is the Land Between Lakes? You might be asking yourself. It is a 170,000 acre outdoorsman's paradise uh, between Kentucky Lake and Lake Barkley in western Kentucky and Tennessee. This cryptid sits on the Kentucky side of this. And what if you look at it on the map, it's kind of neat because it's like the two lakes are like a upside down U and they connect at the top and there's just a ton of green space in the middle of it. Okay. Uh, there's vast forests, open lands and streams, uh, attractions, camping, trails, wildlife, historical exhibits, and we got a cryptid. Uh, one other thing, Native Americans used to reside here but were forcibly removed to make way for the recreational area. Now, always a solid start to a myth when we have to acknowledge the shitty things the U.S. did. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Now, we have talked about Goatman. We have talked about Bunnyman. This cryptid is also known as Dogman. This is Kentucky's cryptid, Dogman Werewolf. Oh, I've heard of the Dogman. Yeah, this is half man, half wolf, standing seven feet tall, uh, with human hands ending in vicious claws, and it is cloaked in a fetid rotting stench uh, native americans have a legend similar to this but it is not the dog man where it's a shape-shifting creature um the legend goes that this man left europe in the 1800s to settle between rivers and possessed a disease that basically made him mad after nightfall another legend believes this is a group of loop guru which we've talked about in the past um, this dates back from French explorers looking around the area as they expanded into Kentucky and they were warned off by Shawnee fur traders about this group of Loop Guru. And the last one is tales date back to the expansion into Kentucky with hunters disappearing in the woods, strange unnatural howls, and then finding bison carcasses half eaten and throats ripped out by massive claws. And unfortunately... Patrick Swayze from Roadhouse was not there to throw, rip out those throats of the bison. <laughs> so it must have been a werewolf. Now, we have had a few sightings as of recently. One of them was in 19... And recently, I'm saying, compared to like the 1800s. So 1973 and 1980s are, are two of the big ones. But in 1973, a group of college students from Murray State University, Go Racers... We're camping in the LBL because this is a camping hotbed in 1973. I already said that. It's 1973 in case anybody didn't know what the year 1973 is. One of the students went off into the woods to use the bathroom, answer the call of nature. He felt like he was being watched and he heard something sniffing. 
Something later in the night was shuffling in the leaves, and the guys were upset and alert. Um, it began circling their campsite. One of the dudes shined their flashlights into the woods, and howling began. This howling was louder than a wolf and had a, quote, unnatural blood-curdling quality, unquote. This was then followed by them catching glimpses of a pair of glowing red eyes as it ducked around. Now, these kids ain't that dumb. They didn't have a gun, so they couldn't shoot at it three times. So what did they do? They hopped in the VW minibus they had, and they just fucking dipped. They were like, fuck this. This doesn't feel right. We're leaving. They didn't split off and explore. They didn't let themselves get picked off one by one. Now, the problem is this thing allegedly chased them down the road and caught up to them when they slowed to take a turn. When that happened, it was holding the van back. They gassed it and broke away and didn't stop until they made it back to campus. When they inspected the van, they noticed there were gashes along the back, like massive claw marks. So that was 1973. In the 1980s, there was a bloody scene inside the motorhome of a family camping in the area. Police found, quote, horribly mutilated bodies and, and quote, the half-eaten body, unquote, of the family's young daughter lodged in a tree next to it. Oh, All bodies had a distinctive set of claw marks and was and this was allegedly covered up by the authorities because at the time the tourist industry was all that was keeping this just shoestring economy together. Labor Day of 2017, some dude recorded the howls of a beast, but it's a really weird YouTube video. And then in August of 2010, there was a police report citing that basically stated this there was a, a thing that looked seven to seven and a half feet tall and three feet wide it was a woman driving a car that saw this thing it was stocky with matted medium brown hair this deer was running down the road and looked like it went around a tree and then this woman was like that was weird and then noticed it wasn't a tree it was a, a creature this creature was so close to the woman's vehicle, she could have reached out and touched it. And yet she couldn't hold up a finger to tell us how big it was. Couldn't tell us if it was 20 feet or not. Yeah. Um, it is kind of interesting because local businessmen, Lee Vervort and Spencer Ballantine, are making a movie about the beast. Uh, I find this really interesting because there's a lot of frustration from the people who lived there dating back to the 1800s, saying effectively the beast of LBL is made up. It's a made-up thing to shit on their culture and their heritage, and it's all to make a movie. Now, in true American fashion, the producer basically says the people who used to live there don't have a monopoly on myths of the region, and quote, they're just jealous they didn't think of it first, unquote, which is always a great response to criticism. Oh, boy. And then one thing that I just had to throw in here. One dude says, quote, if any of the stories of the Beast of LBL are true, it will make Bigfoot seem like a sissy in comparison, unquote. I mean, that sounds right based on the, the straight fire you're spitting right now, John. But that is, that's some fucked up shit. That's a violent cryptid if I've ever heard of one. Yeah, I'm definitely putting mine up for uh, the winner of this cryptid royale. Yeah, I think that that's... Yeah, no, I think I'm definitely I'm going to put it up there, too. I don't know, let's just let's just do it. Let's talk about which one of these would win in a fight. We'll start there. Um, I think that we can clearly give the Beast of LBL the, the four uh, mm -hmm. and like as in like it is going to take the top spot just because the Goatman and Bunny Man, they're both just hatchet wielding weirdos. They're not like, I don't know, there's nothing supernatural about them as far as their strength. 
think we can also agree that we're going to give the squonk the one. Yep. Yeah, I, I'm not. Yeah, but uh, for goat man and bunny man, that's a tough one. I think I, I would give the edge to the goat man just because the human hybrid aspect of it all makes me feel like he's going to fare better than a dude in a bunny suit. But, you know, who knows? That's a for me. I'm, I'm giving goat man the edge. I give goat man the edge because he's wielding hatchets. Well, so is the bunny man. They're, it's They're, both hatchets for some it's reason. It's both hatchets ha- and like, axes. well, the the bunny man when the couple when he broke through the couple's window, they found a hatchet in their seat. Um, bunny man, I guess, also in his favor, maybe trapped some kids and strung them up like predator. That's pretty spooky. Maybe he would do That's that to true. the goat man, but ah, doubt it. I'm always giving the edge to the half human, half hybrid, which I think honestly makes this the easiest cryptid royale battle we've ever had. Uh, that's oh, pretty absolutely. clear, except for when we had uh, the the pants last season, and we knew the pants were coming last as far as the fight, the Fresno Nightcrawler. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Now, now here's the here's the question I have after doing research on the Beast of LBL, like, what creature couldn't it beat? Uh, and the answer is obviously the Megalodon. Yeah, I was just about to say the Megalodon. I mean, again, it all depends on, like... So, it's the land between lakes. So, if the Megalodon is in any of those lakes, it's fucked. Um, it's not beating Kraken for me. Uh, I'm, I'm looking through... I have our whole list of cryptids right here. Um, I could just share them so you can see and see if I, you think anything would beat it. Um, you can finally see the spreadsheet behind the madness here. Uh... Also, I realized, so on here, I had Goatman listed before, and I had to go back and realize, I, I thought I had done it before, but I called the Popelik monster the Goatman last season, because it is very similar to the Goatman, just in a completely different place. Well, looking at this list, uh, I think... Night Marchers would fuck it up. Night Marchers would fuck it up, because that's an army of Hawaiian spirits. The Mothman, maybe... Maybe. The Mothman was never violent, though. He was just a harbinger of doom. That's true. Could be the harbinger of this creature's doom, though. Uh, Get fucked. Iliam the Lake Monster, that's just a bunch of sturgeon. That's not beating anything. Uh, Bandaged Man is already dead, so that might be an issue. Don't know. Yaoi would certainly give it a run for its money, as would Bigfoot, I think. Um, Yeah. Yeah, and I, I will note this doesn't include like all of our cryptids. This is all of our cryptid royales, and then all of the cryptids we've done this season are on here as well. Uh, Gray Man might fuck it up as well. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking the same thing. So for our others, uh, let's get into believability. And uh, because it's first on here, let's start with the squonk. What's your believability on the uh, on the squonk, John? It, it's it's a one point one point two three. Yeah, it's a solid one for me. I don't believe in crying pig monsters that evaporate into plastic bags. As much as I do love the portability of that myth. What about for cool factor on the squonk, John? What's that going to be for you? It's a 1.23. It's another 1.23. I don't want to give it a solid one. I'm going to give it a 1.5 because I like some elements of it. Uh, I like that it's an ugly crybaby cryptid. Uh, I guess it's not really cool factor, but I do dig it. It's the lowest rated cryptid we've had by it, a mile. It by, yeah, it will be by a mile. I'll do the totals here in a minute, but it's going to beat the Ozark Heller. Beast of the Land Between the Lakes, or Believability. 
I don't know. It doesn't feel like a one. 2.89. 2.89? That's high, John. Wow. That's the that's the When the government covers something up, that gives me suspicion. Mm. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Government cover-ups, I'm gonna give it a two. Cool factor, like easily four. It, it's it's gotta be. It's I I'll give it, yeah, I'm also gonna give it a four, because that, that creature's badass as shit. I like it a lot. Uh Goat Man. Let's talk about believability on the goat man. You know, scientists get a little crazy. Something goes wrong. Half human, half goat. Don't believe that. But what I do believe is that some teenagers fucked with some guy's goats and then he went nuts and dressed (laughs) as a goat and started killing people. That I believe. Uh, That sounds like a Nick Cage movie waiting to happen. And for that reason, I give it a two. Well, I guess it's it's what you what you view. Is it the goat hybrid or is it somebody wearing a goat suit? Because Bunny Man, I'm giving a four like. You know, you you think Bunny Man's out there? No, I think I think that is a real thing that happened. Some dude was on LSD in the seventies and dressed as a bunny and killed people. He didn't. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. yeah bunny Man. Well, first of all, what's your ranking for Goat Man? Yeah, what's what, say, what's your on. believability for the Goat Man? We're getting ahead of ourselves. Uh, I'll give it a two point one nine. Two point one nine. Um. Okay. For, uh, do my Bunny Man believability since we were just there. Um. I. Uh, I don't believe the story about him stringing the kids up like the Predator. That doesn't make sense. I actually don't know if I believe these hatchet stories either. And the simple reason is like, this feels like a trope. And I think it, given that I had two myths were that were in the early 1970s and they both chased lovers in cars with an axe, it sounds like too much of a movie to me. So for that reason, I'm going to give it a 2.5. I believe something happened, but it's not its not a four for me, dog. Goatman, let's talk about cool factor. Not much cool about the Goatman, in my opinion. I like the weird science aspect of it, but not much else. The weird science aspect is why I give it a 2.01. I give it a 1.5. Bunny Man, cool factor. Bringing kids up at midnight. Lots of people still go to that bridge to check it out. Definitely like a cool legend tripping spot that you could go to. Kind of spooky. I'm going to give it a 2.5. 2.76. All right. With that, we'll refresh this data. Let's take a look at what we got here. So I'm just going to read it. Well, I'll, I'll read our first four and then I'm going to read it from the top of our history. So for our cryptids, and then I will read through our totals here. At the bottom, we have the squonk with 6.96, making it the lowest rated cryptid. It's just under one point behind the Ozark Howler. It's a really fun word to say. It is. I do like squonking about. That makes me uh, makes me happy. Uh, next, I believe we have the Goatman at 13.7, which puts it right between the Skunk Ape and the U-28 creature. Then we have the Bunny Man. At 15.76, which puts it between the Drop Bear and the Kushtaka. And then way up near the top, where is he? It is between the Yowie and Tahoe Tessie with 20.89 points. It's impressive. Also, if we, went, if we went back, I'm sure that we would rate Tahoe Tessie lower. Uh, so just going through them real quick, from the top to the bottom, we have Megalodon in the top spot, followed by Kraken. Night Marchers, Yowie, Beast of LBL, Tahoe Tessie, Gumbaroo, Bandage Man, Hodag, Panther, New Orleans Vampires, Ultima Haha, Mothman, 
Iliom the Lake Monster, Kushtaka, Bunny Man, Drop Bear, Exmoor, Gray Man, U28, Goat Man, Skunk Ape, Cadborosaurus, Garden Light, Pope Lick Monster, Pants, uh, also known as the uh, Fresno Nightcrawler, Tasmanian Devil, <laughs> Rougarou, Jackalope, Ningen, Ozark Haller, and the Squatrit. Which, uh, that is it for this Cryptid Royale. We have ranked them. We have finished the season. Uh, John, is there anything else, uh, anything else you want to say about this season? About cryptids in general? It's been a pleasure. This is something I have looked forward to doing. Um, it's sad that we kind of figured out the formula in our final season. And like, <laughs> yeah. We weren't like, so are we recording next week or the week after? Like we planned all this shit out in advance. Yeah, we had so. a schedule. We released every week for 10 weeks in a row consistently. We did it. Like, I, I guess I'm assuming that nothing happens to me between this recording and next Wednesday when I need to put this out, but we did it. Like, consist- consistency for once, y'all. You're welcome. <laughs> This is really good training for our next podcast. Yeah. That'll be really fun to do. Yeah. And it, tentatively, we're calling it Lunchbox Gaming. May That may change between now and then, but like that that's probably happening. We'll tell you more about it at some point, because when we, when we do put it out, I will drop the first episode in this feed so that you all know where to find it, if that's something you want to listen to. But I, I thought we were spinning Conspiracy Corner off into its new thing. I've done so much research on 9-11. Yeah, no, Conspiracy Corner, you know, while, while I'd love to make it its own pod, I, for my own health, I need to step away from conspiracies for a time. I'd love to have a podcast I can actually uh, talk about uh, with my colleagues without having to caveat, you know, like, yeah, it's about cryptids, but also, like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not nuts, I promise. <laughs> yeah, that's been a fun... Yeah. It's been, it's always a good one to have to explain. I just want to say working on Cryptids Decrypted has been an absolute joy. Um, and while we're closing the book on the podcast for now, I'm, I'll never say never. Uh, I, I honestly didn't think we were going to do this season, uh, but we came back and did it anyway. So uh, thanks to all the fans that have reached out over the years. Thanks, John, for being an amazing co-host through the entire thing. Uh, if you want to see what we're going to be doing next, go ahead and follow uh, me on Instagram at Mac Ashton or at Mac underscore Ashton. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm not on there, but I'll post something on there when we're doing something else. That is at real Mac Ashton uh, and keep an eye on this podcast feed because this is where we will drop the first episode of Lunchbox Gaming before it has its own feed so that y'all can go find that. And like, lest you think it's just going to be another gaming podcast. Don't worry. We got some weird shit in there already we're talking about top five lists one came up today which gaming console would be would be the best provider in a healthy marriage you know we'll go through that we'll let you know personally i think it might be i might by the original xbox it's a little chunky it's, it's not definitely full, not the gamecube not full, the, the gamecube is gonna cheat on you immediately i guarantee it like the you be the gamecube is your trophy wife of consoles you want something solid like the original Xbox or the Wii U. They're not going to leave you. They're going to provide you with solid hits, but like they're not the flashy thing. And let the me just Wii t- U? The Wii U is just like happy that somebody gave it some. Yeah, we, we'll save Look, this for our first Never, episode. but I'm just saying this never marry a PlayStation. I'll say it right now. That's a, that's a bad choice, but we'll talk more about it. On the, that's the kind of shit that we're going to get into on Lunchbox Gaming. Uh, lastly, if you want to reach out to us for any reason, please use the email cryptidsdecrypted at gmail.com. I do monitor it. That's where a lot of these great suggestions have come from. 
Uh, oh, and Rob Lowe, I wanted to say, I'm sorry we couldn't get you scheduled for an interview this season. I know you wrote and called us about a hundred times, but we've just been really busy and like maybe, maybe on the next podcast, man, I don't know. I'm just, I'm sorry we couldn't fit you in. I'm sorry you got bumped. We tried. It's a real bummer. We really did try. Uh, but that's it. Thanks everybody. It's been a blast. See you everybody.